Credentialing Insights, an ICE podcast where we dive into thought-provoking discussions with subject matter experts on the topics that matter most to the credentialing community. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome. You're listening to Credentialing Insights, an ICE podcast, where we interview subject matter experts on relevant topics in the credentialing industry. My name is Terry Hinckley. I'm the CEO of the Medical Surgical Nursing Certification Board and a member of the ICE Board of Directors. And in today's conversation, I'll be speaking with John Wickett, Principal of Wickett Measurement Systems. John, would you like to give us a brief introduction of your background? Uh, thanks, Terry. I'm happy to be here today to uh, talk about our, our, our topic on competency profiles. I'm an independent psychometrician. I provide development analysis work across a wide variety of industries. I've been doing that for over 20 years, uh, based here in Montreal, Canada. Um, and, you know, we're, we are going to spend a lot of time talking about, about competency profiles. And I've completed those for a, a wide variety of professions, including opticians, financial planners, disability management professionals, and human resource professionals in the recent past. Awesome. I'm so excited to talk about this topic with you, John, because I'm just so passionate about competencies. Um, although I must admit, uh, lifelong Toronto Maple Leaf fan, and if you're in Montreal, I can only guess that you're a Habs fan. Uh, so that's quite the rivalry in ice hockey, although I won't hold it against you. Well, we'll see if we can keep that particular rivalry out of our call today, but a bit of it might creep in. We'll see. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you today. This is a topic that I'm really quite interested in. I've done a lot of work with a couple of associations now in developing competency profiles for our members. Um, and now I'm quite interested in what might that look like from a credentialing perspective. You know, um, the competency work that I've done is primarily with my association hat on, and now I'm trying to really understand how it could transition and be applicable in the certification or credentialing space. So I'm so glad to uh, be able to talk to you about that and pick your brain a little bit. So I'm going to talk, um, first, I'm going to ask, actually, if you could Tell me a little bit more about, from your perspective, the difference between a competency-based certification program and what we're probably more used to, which is a more traditional job analysis-based certification program. Sure, Terry. So I think the I think first of all, it's important to to take a look at just what a competency is, and competency is a term that gets used, you know, in a lot of different ways, um, depending on what the application is. If we're talking about you know, credentialing, especially high stakes credentialing, um, what we're really talking about is a statement. Um, so it is, you know, competency is a statement that specifies, generally speaking, a particular action that is taken um, on an object or on a person for a purpose or to a particular performance level. And that's an important defining feature of, of, of a competency and you know, by extension of any competency-based program. Um, competencies for credentialing aren't single words. It's not like communication or um, or that kind of uh, thing, which is really non-specific and non-directive. We're really talking about credentialing as something that is very explicit in terms of what is being done and the purpose or the level of performance expected. And it's that end part, you know, that performance expectation that really, I think, defines one of the main differences between a job analysis approach and a competency uh, profile approach. 
And you know, we talked a bit about sort of can, uh, you know about you know Toronto, Montreal, and, and I am based in Canada. In fact, where most of my work has been done. And for twenty plus years, um, uh, credentialing programs, licensing, um, high stakes certification have been done from a competency based approach. Uh, and so that is certainly uh, the method that I know best. And so I'll give you an example. So uh, you know, competency. Um, in, the, in the world of opticians would be something like recommend suitable frame choices based on patients' requirements and preferences. So there's a task there of recommending frame choices, but there's a goal here. There's a desired outcome, and that's that, that, that those choices will be based on what is suitable given the patient's requirements and, and preferences. Um, another example might be apply current relevant ophthalmic theories using mathematical calculations to select appropriate eyewear. So again, here we have a task, so you're applying you know, theories using calculations, but it's for a purpose, is to select appropriate eyewear. So it's that outcome focus that, you know, what is meaningful for the patient or client or consumer, whoever that, that recipient is, that is really the focus. Uh, and very often for a lot of programs, that is the desire underlying their program is to, to state in some way, what the, the person is gonna get that credential, what they're able to do, what positive impact they're able to have, are they going to be safe and effective um, in practice? So, you know, these are, uh, again, for competency, you know, for, for credentialing purposes, these are, um, these are extensive. Um, it would be typical to have, um, you know, four to six domains within a competency profile um, each of those domains probably has, again, another sort of five or so subcategories and maybe even be categories below that. But at the heart of it is a set of competency statements, which will frequently number in excess of 100, maybe even 200, depending on the, you know, the scope of the, of the profession. Um, they may cover multiple levels of proficiency. And that's, that's, a, that's a big draw for, for a lot of programs is you can define entry-level proficiency and expert level or advanced level or some variation thereof in the same profile. So it provides a bit of a progression for somebody throughout their, their career. A, a job analysis can do all these things, but very often um, it, it is really much more focused on building you know, a, a table of specifications for an examination. And there's nothing wrong with that. So uh, you know, I'm gonna, um, you know, even though my background is competencies, um, you know, I have there's no issue with a job analysis, but it tends to be um, a lot more focused on the exam, or often exclusively focused on an exam. Whereas a competency-based program, those comp that competency profile is actually driving all requirements. It's driving education requirements. It's driving accreditation requirements, if applicable. It might be uh, driving uh, uh, continuous professional development programs. Um, it is the the heart of the credential, not just of the exam. It serves the same function as a job analysis for an exam, but it is certainly broader than that. And uh, it really um, becomes the, you know, basically sort of the definition of scope and breadth um, so that, you know, everything in that competency profile must be taught um, and everything, you know, not in that competency profile cannot be tested. You know, that's it, very. It, there's a is a very sort of rigid use of it when done when done properly and fully, um, to make sure that um, what's in there really is what the profession is about, what is expected of professionals, and importantly, what the public should expect from their professionals. 
So, John, thank you so much. That was such a great overview. And there was a couple of questions swirling around as I was listening to you. And one would be, I know that with a traditional job task analysis or job analysis survey or whatever language um, a credentialing program might use, they usually will go out with that sort of list of tasks um, primarily, and they'll test both the importance, so how important they are to the job, as well as the frequency that the survey respondents actually complete those test, uh, tasks, and that's how sort of a blueprint ends up getting built. Is that a similar process on the competency side? What does that uh, survey out to credential holders look like that might be different from that format with a competency model? Well, you know, really the only difference is in what is being assessed, like that unit of assessment. So, you know, with a job analysis, it might be knowledge elements, it might be task statements. With a competency profile uh, validation survey, um, it will you know, often be the competency statements themselves. Um, and so it can be a lengthy survey, um, but the, the same questions are asked. So uh, you know, some version of frequency um, is pretty standard and then a variation on criticality or importance. Um, and that will vary from you know, uh, sort of you know, credential to credential, exactly what's going to be the most meaningful way to do that. If it's licensing, often it will also have a question around relevance to entry-level practice, um, which might be a third question attached to each competency. But just as you know, with a job analysis, um, as with a job analysis, the, the outcome of that survey is what drives the decisions on what is included um, in the competency profile. Um, and it drives decisions on the weighting across the domains. Um, and it, uh, it will also drive decisions on what's actually going to be in the exam. So it's, it, for all intents and purposes, um, follows exactly that same methodology to yield the same outcomes. The only, you know, the only real difference is typically with a competency profile, that validation survey is focused on what is required to be sort of safe and effective or a variation of that in practice. Um, it's not exclusively fo focused on what, you know, how, you know, what should appear on the exam. And so that's, okay. otherwise they would look very, very similar. And then from your perspective as a psychometrician, what do you think the benefits of each of those um, different types of models are or credentialing models? Well, I think uh, really the benefit is going to depend on the, on the purpose of your, of the credential. And so, and this is an over, this is arguably an over, oversimplification, but you know, if the purpose of your credential is to assess knowledge, then a job analysis is probably going to lead to a better articulated knowledge, you know, listing and um, and, and set of sort of domains covering that that knowledge listing than a competency profile will. Um, if on the other end, you know, your other hand, your purpose is to assess ability to meet you know patient needs or client or other stakeholder needs. Um, then competencies is likely a closer fit. And this is really you know, partly about a validity argument here. So if your focus of your credential is to say something an ability to be effective in practice, then competencies is actually the only direct way to, to get at that particular construct. Um, but if the focus is knowledge and there's nothing wrong with that, then uh, you know, typically you know, a job analysis is probably going to be a more effective, efficient way to get to get to that. Either approach can yield very similar outcomes, and there are folks who do job analyses who do it 
um, to the extent that they are actually probably building what I would call a competency profile and vice versa. Um, so there, there certainly are variations there, but and so the knowledge versus practice is a big, you know, is a big sort of defining, you know, difference there. So if you're having a traditional knowledge-based multiple choice uh, test, then, you know, very likely a job analysis is going to be a good fit. Um, we've got a performance assessment. Um, competencies are probably going to fit better. Um, interestingly, if you, you know, if you're building a competency model or a competency profile to as a basis for your credentials or the foundation for that credential, it really kind of drives away from using knowledge-based multiple choice items. Um, and it drives it towards application critical thinking. So it, 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 it's really hard to, to have a, a solid multiple choice question testing knowledge if you're really trying to address a specific competency, which is how like, in a competency-based program would approach this. It would be you know, every multiple choice item is linked to a competency statement. And you know, as actions with outcomes, um, a straight up knowledge item is probably not going to do any justice to it, which again speaks to validity. You know, and that's you know, that's a problem if the, the the test items don't address what the you know what the, the the credential is defined by. So it really pushes towards you know application of knowledge to you know given scenarios or situations, critical thinking, you know, sort of synthesis, um, you know, analysis, and so on, higher order thinking. Which is a is a greater challenge with multiple choice to do that, but it's absolutely doable. Um, it just takes a different approach, you know, and that will um, certainly drive. I, I, you know, I think will be a um, if that's what your goal is, then I think that's going to be a great fit. And there's excellent examples out of, of using sort of scenario based multiple choice questions that provide excellent information about about candidates. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because again, as I listen to you talk. One of the things that struck me is I'm very, very interested with my CEO hat on. I'm always looking at what's going to be the, the industry that I'm serving, and in this case, nurses and healthcare, what's that going to look like in five years? Um, and I spend an awful lot of time, you know, kind of in in sort of the foresight literature, the um, ASAE um future drivers. I've spent a lot of time with that body of work and thinking about how technology is going to change healthcare and just how, you know, how insurance is going to change healthcare and all of these different dynamics that are at play. And I wonder if a competency-based certification program or a credential allows for a little more flexibility than a task-based or traditional competence or sorry credentialing program might have in the past and I just wonder if you have an opinion on that because it seems to me that tasks could change um, and do change rather rapidly and if we're doing a job analysis or job task analysis every five years uh, are we are we missing out on what's changing in the practice? And would we have additional flexibility if we focused on competencies and to the outcomes that you spoke about rather than on specific tasks? That's a great question, Terry. I think there's two things there that the you know, very often a, a competency profile will be built to be a bit more forward-looking, a bit more future, you know, focused in that. We'll often, when facilitating these sessions and working with, with subject matter experts, not just say what is done now, but 
what might the next two or three years look like? It's hard to ask somebody to sort of project out five or six years, um, but if there are emerging technologies, approaches, um, issues, um, a competency profile will, will get built to incorporate those and be inclusive of them. And that really gets kind of to your, to your main point there. And that does provide that flexibility so that the focus, if your focus is on, let's say if it's a healthcare setting, your focus is on patient outcomes, then your competencies are really around effective patient outcomes, maintaining, you know, um, you know, you know, safety, um, you know, wellness and so on. And the methods you use to achieve that can change with time. And so it does have that, um, you know, that flexibility built into it. We're not defining the credential by the knowledge lists or the tasks. We're defining it by the outcomes as defined on the competencies. And so that importantly does allow, you know, that sort of evolution you know, as things change, that can be brought into requirements, whether it's continuing education requirements or exam changes. Um, and that has to be communicated to candidates, but that does allow for that, you know, for that flexibility. And very often competency profiles after being built the first time don't often change radically into the future because they are structured around those desirable um, outcomes which if the specifics and how you achieve them will change with time. And every five years is, is the same kind of recommendational competency profiles as it is for, for job analysis, you know, give or take, there's no official rule on that. Um, it, you know, it is more of sort of tweaking um, as opposed to wholesale change because, you know, professions um, credentials don't tend, you know, don't tend to change dramatically over time. The methods though, the knowledge does, and that, you know, is 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 a a real, a real strength of competency profiles. It isn't it isn't tied to it the same way, right? And the other thing that you said that I just wanted to highlight as well is it really is so much more holistic. You know, you talked about the fact that it then drives everything, um, sort of that the profession or the industry or whatever segment your credential covers is looking at from um, entry to practice, to education, professional development, certification, career growth. It seems like there's really a much more holistic and integrated approach with a competency framework than there might be with a credential that just looks at, um, and, and the ability perhaps to even build micro-credentials, right, to, to focus right. on perhaps that emerging level or that transition to practice, and then also build upon for certified individuals, because we always, you know, one of the main um, factors of a credentialing program or, or main features of a credentialing program is it's not for an entry-level professional. It's usually target, targeting that kind of proficient level, right? Um, so somewhere around, you know, two to two to three years, depending on the credential. And then there's not much for them after that either. So it really seems to me that kind of focusing on competencies allows you to look at the entire workforce much more holistically and build out programs and services, including micro-credentials that can, can serve them over the course of their career. 100% agree. I think it really does. It, it kind of, it shifts the focus to, you know, the, the credential and away from the exam. And it really mm -hmm. becomes a, what are you, you know, and it really and it puts the pressure on that purpose statement. You know, that what is that you know that construct for your credential? What's it about? What's it supposed to mean in your marketplace? What is it? You know, what is it supposed to say about 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 me as a professional? 
And it, it drives, it drives all attention to how do we achieve that? And part of the way to achieve it might be through examination, but that's not the only way. Right. And so, you know, education requirements is also a way of addressing what's important and required for a credential. Um, it might be, you know, around sort of code of ethics or jurisprudence. It could be around, you know, experience requirements, but they're all driven from that, that, that competency profile, which is the heart of all decisions from a credentialing point of view until the next time it's revised. Um, and it provides a, a focus in a, um, I wouldn't say simplicity, but it, it provides clarity, I think is probably the right way to put that, around what the credentials about. And so it puts a lot of pressure on doing it well, um, but then it allows um, all activities really to be, um, to be very you know, informed and focused uh, and you know the decisions on what's in and, and what's out in terms of scope and breadth. It's it's right there defined in black and white in, in your profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly seems like it. So now my next question, John, might might be a little more difficult. Maybe not. Maybe not for you. But if I if my organization was interested in actually exploring a competency based certification versus what we have currently or traditionally or for any other credentialing boards that are also interested in this discussion and thinking, well, what would it take? What would I have to do to change from what I have currently? And what would your recommendations be? Well, I, I think the, you know, the first thing to do is to, is to you know, to really determine, this is, you know, internal discussions, you know, what will the competency-based approach get us that we don't already have? Um, and I think there's all sorts of things that it can get you. Um, but it tends to be a more, you know, work, um, you know, work intensive product to build. Uh, and so you want to make sure that it's, you're going to get value for that, that time and effort. Uh, and, you know, I really always want to start with what is that, you know, that purpose for your credential, which is often a one paragraph kind of articulation of what the, the credential is about. And, you know, make sure that that, if you're happy with how that's worded, does it align to a competency-based approach or not? It might align better to a knowledge-based approach. Um, but if it does align to it, um, I, you know, I really strongly recommend sort of having some, you know, internal discussions, perhaps bring in, bring in a, you know, an expert who, who does these all the time, but to start to flesh out what might this look like? Um, not in detail because there's a whole process with committees and, and, and working groups and so on to do that. But overall, what might this look like? Like what kind of domains do we think we might have? How many levels are we looking to define? And we're looking to looking to define, you know, entry or proficient or, you know, how are we looking to do that? Um, you know, what would be in that, in that profile eventually? Do we need behavioral indicators? Do we need knowledge listings? And setting up you know, kind of that 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 draft template that you know is going to get torn down in the process, but making sure that you have something that actually will achieve the needs um, before going too far down the path, um, I think is important, and it provides focus, uh, you know, to to the committees who are going to work on this going forward. But really, is to make sure this is actually going to achieve all your goals. And so, you know, if accreditation is something that's relevant in your industry. Um, you know, making sure that the outcome will meet those accreditation needs. If it is, you know, exclusively, you know, exam, making sure that the statements are going to be built so that can actually drive effective exam development work uh, and so on and so forth. So I put a lot of focus on that upfront planning before anything really gets, you know, done in terms of building out the detail. And, and, and I'm, you know, uh, the main reason for that is that, uh, you know, I think if you have 
you know, a very clearly articulated purpose for your credential and a good sense on what the outcome, you know, sort of that final deliverable is going to be, then the rest of it is detail. It's time-consuming detail, but the rest of it will flow logically and neatly to achieve those goals. And so the, the upfront planning probably should be about half of your calendar time um, before you actually get into execution. Wow. Okay. So plan for, plan for, you know, a really thoughtful and well-defined plan going in before even sort of kicking off or starting the actual nuts and bolts work. Exactly. Like getting the right subject matter experts lined Mm -hmm. up, you know, scoping everything out in terms of a timeline, um, making sure that all your stakeholders, especially those who might be detractors to what you're doing are, you know, are have appropriate involvement um, you know, making, you know, you know, talking, if you have an exam, you know, development committee, talking to them about what they might need out of this process, getting all that lined up will, will mean you're not sort of going through iterations and, 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 you know, you're not kind of doing rework and so on as you get, as you launch. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And actually you touched on what my next question, and I know, um, we're kind of coming to the end here, so I, I won't, it's a pretty quick question, but when you talked about stakeholders, one of the things that was going through my head as you were talking um, about sort of next steps regarding credentialing programs that might be interested in this is do you bring subject matter experts from the workplaces in, you know, those potential employers? Um, normally, we focus on individuals with the credential, and I'm just wondering with a competency-based framework if there's not an opportunity to also broaden that stakeholder group to potentially talk about their talk to schools, to employers, and that and even potentially regulators if they happen to be in a regulated profession. What are your thoughts on that? No, it's a great, it's a great point. It is, it is a it's absolutely an opportunity not to be missed to include those groups that often aren't included in test development activities for good reasons. Um, but because the competency profile is, you know, that, that underlying document for the entire credential, um, you really should bring in some educators, um, bring in perhaps employer representatives, um, the, the folks with the credential absolutely as well. And they'll, they'll form a, they'll really kind of speak to the detail that will go into the profile. Um, regulators, absolutely. Um, if you have an opportunity to bring public in, again, depending on the credential, uh, having some representatives of the public um, right now it could be, you know, you know, something akin to like a public member on a board, or it could be a panel um, of, of, of sort of genuine people in the public who are impacted by this credential. What do they care about? What do they think needs to be in here? Um, so all those stakeholder groups and the more, you know, are, have something to say, a different something to say about the profile often, um, depending on their background, but they have something to bring to it and they're all going to be impacted by it. And so, you know, it really is important, um, you know, from, from building any, any particular subject matter expert panel is to get that representation. And so you can really think of very broadly around, you know, who are these, an expert maybe isn't the right word in this case. So subject matter experts, it's, you know, it's, it's, those, it's those folks who can really contribute to the decisions made around what should be in this profile and, you know, what kind of, um, you know, where our scope should start and stop. Excellent. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, John, I just want to thank you. This has been just such a fascinating discussion for me as 
I continue to think about how that might impact our credential, but I'm sure there's others um, that will find it incredibly valuable for them as they try and think about what the future of their credentials look like as well. So, so grateful for your time today. Uh, I'd like to thank you. Uh, anything in closing that I didn't ask that you think was a missed opportunity or just something that's really important that you think that um, we should talk about before we close? No, I, I think we've covered most of it. I think the only the only thing maybe that I would add is that you know I think um, you know there is a there is a bit of a, a of a divide between sort of Canada and the U.S. on this, where the job analysis approach is certainly very much the prevalent approach in the U.S., whereas the competency profile approach is the prevalent approach in Canada. Um, but there's a lot to be gained from both approaches, um, and there's a time where you know one or the other might be a better fit. Um, that said, and I think I may have already said this, a lot of this comes down to how these terms are used. Um, and so, you know, in this talk, I've, you know, I've, you know, in our, you know, our discussion, I've really, you know, talked about job analysis as it typically is um, and competency profiles as they typically are. Um, but there are, there's a huge variation there. And from professional to professional, we will talk about these things differently. I would like to distinguish competency profiles from competency models. Um, competency models have, have had, uh, you know, you know, a fair bit of attention in the past two or three years. Um, but I think it's not the right term for what, you know, for what we're talking about here, where the model really implies kind of a, a structure and they tend to be general, um, they tend to be sort of the non-cognitive components in terms of how it's used. And a, and a competency profile as used for credentialing is an extraordinarily rich, detailed um, um, description of what is required for professional at a very technical level. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that that's an important you know, consideration. So any program, um, no matter where they're based, if that's the approach, if you really want to focus on, you know, on on those desired outcomes in from practice, um, you know, take a look at competency profiles. That might be the model that works for you. That's a great distinction. I'd never actually even considered. So thank you so much for raising that, John. I appreciate it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Credentialing Insights, an ICE podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts so you can be the first to hear these episodes each month. If you have a suggestion for a future discussion or want to sponsor an episode, reach out to info at credentialingexcellence.org. For more great thought leadership content, visit Credentialing Insights, the online journal for ICE at credentialinginsights.org. Thank you again for tuning in.